Hello, welcome to the Romance Me Podcast. This is Erica. And I'm Em, and we'd like to say a special hello to our number one and only fan, painting the world in grays and blues. Seems peaceful. Awkward silence. I need a cricket sound effect. <laughs> yes. Yes. Like a soundboard that I could just press the button and you get it. That'd be kind of fun. Can we both have soundboards? I don't see why not. As long as you don't abuse yours. You know I can't promise that. (laughs) (laughs) Don't set me up to fail like that. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Today we'll be discussing Get a Life, Chloe Brown by Talia Hibbert. After a brush with death, Chloe rearranges her priorities and writes a list that will ensure she will be remembered well when she dies. Chloe is now determined to live her life to the fullest, despite living with the chronic pain of fibromyalgia. To complete the items on her list, she enlists the help of a man who doesn't like her, so she can successfully become all the Chloe she can be. Always looking to play the knight in shiny armor, Red is a happy-go-lucky artist, unless he's reminded of his painful romantic past involving an upper-class woman who, unfortunately, reminds him of Chloe. Despite this, he agrees to assist with getting Chloe a life in exchange for her professional website building expertise. As Chloe and Red become friends, and maybe more, can they trust each other's intentions once Chloe finally has achieved a life? There will be spoilers beyond this point. We have content warnings for an emotionally and physically abusive ex and living with chronic pain. Well, are you ready to feel romanced? (laughs) (laughs) You said that last time. <laughs> I know. It's becoming a thing. Dude, I'm tired. I'm falling into habits. <laughs> Once is a thing, y'all. Once is a thing. Yes. Would you like to start with her brush with death? Would you like to start with her living situation? Or like what her her close loved one's response to her uh, being diagnosed with fibromyalgia? Where would you like to start? Yes. <laughs> pick a card any card this book has a prologue wherein chloe is walking along the street and almost gets hit by a drunk driver she goes into a bit of shock as a result and it causes her to go home and make a list a short list of things that will make her life better because when she was almost killed or i don't know the way she sees it she almost died and there would be nothing good in her obituary (laughs) and she wants to rectify that (laughs) yes she wants to be remembered well or as at least as having a life correct she then moves out of her family home where she's been living into Hold that she's been living there if she moves out. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, geez. Uh She moves out of her family home into a small apartment that she lives in by herself. And she's really proud of that. She comes from a wealthy background and has kind of just, I don't know, enjoyed the privilege of that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like anyone would, right? Right. 
The story takes place in England, so it's a little bit different than what I think of, I guess, with a wealthy family. Like, we use the words posh and things like that in this story, which I thought was fun. (laughs) It's probably normal for y'all in England, but... Less so here. (laughs) Less so here. Well, yay, broadening vocabulary. Woohoo. Go me. She doesn't give up her trust or money or anything like that. It's just she uses it to fund her lifestyle instead of just letting it sit there, I guess. And now her lifestyle includes living in an apartment by herself and working from home as a web designer. Yeah, she needs both to support her what seems like a comfortable lifestyle. I think so. She has cute clothes and doesn't seem to have any problems with going out or purchasing things or anything like that. It seems very comfortable. She's at a point where she doesn't really have to worry about money. Or I think one of the things on her list is is traveling. So she can consider that as an option, which suggests a certain level of comfort. It doesn't come up a lot in the story, but I guess we should go ahead and say that Chloe's family and Chloe are black. I don't know how much it impacts really i guess there there is some impact once she and red get to talking about different discriminations they have both faced yes because even though she's wealthy she's black and has faced uh racial discrimination she she has a close family she has two sisters who are her friends as well as her sisters and she has Kind of a wacky grandmother named Gigi. I love her. (laughs) She was a really good character. I mean, she's got her parents too, but I think Gigi plays more of a role in Chloe's life. Yeah, she's actively matriarchal. Yeah. She also has chronic pain. She's been diagnosed with fibromyalgia, I think from like the eight, like from her early 20s. Yeah. And so she's been living with it for. Over 10 years. I think she's in her 30s in this story. She got it or it became a thing. It reared its ugly head, whatever you want to say, when she had a really bad case of pneumonia and almost died. And then all of a sudden, there it is. Hello. Here we are to make your life that much more exciting and painful. Remission no more. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. As a result of dealing with the chronic pain and everything, she, in a lot of ways, changed her life to compensate for that so that she would experience less pain. Yay, less pain. Lots more staying inside, lots less adventuring and going out with friends and whatnot. Yes, but at this point in the story, like, she's she's got a better handle on it. Yes. Then certainly when she was first diagnosed. Granted, it seems like some of that has, um, for lack of a better term, like painted her a little bit into a corner because she's used that as a, not an excuse. I feel like it's become a habit for her. Yeah, just to default to the cautious rather than maybe Mm -hmm. push herself to do something more adventurous. Yeah, which is why this list is such a big deal for her. Yes. This brush with death is such a big deal for her because it's made her 
realize, oh, wait, maybe I don't want my life to be like this. Yeah, and she's young. Yeah. So she's keenly aware of the liveliness and the fun that she's missing out. And she's well aware of her limits, too. And she's at a point now where she's willing to do a cost-benefit analysis, you know, maybe doing this fun thing, even though it'll end up hurting later, is important enough to do it anyway. Yes, like save a cat. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yay, fictional kitties. But earlier, like before, before she's reached this point, she had friends, she had a fiance. And then when the chronic pain reared its ugly head, everyone kind of disappeared from her life. Yes, because unfortunately, even though she was feeling the pain and she was experiencing it, those around her couldn't so much see it or they, they didn't see the signs or the symptoms or whatever. So it was easy for them and for doctors or whatever to dismiss. Yeah, I think there's a, a point in the story where where she even mentions that a doctor had told her it was all in her head and that she should just go seek psychological help instead. <laughs> Which, yeah, I think if you are dealing with chronic pain, psychological help would potentially be helpful as well. <laughs> However... <laughs> That just sounds horribly dismissive and awful. There's another point where she thinks about or talks about how her ex left her because she just couldn't get over it. Yeah. She couldn't just decide for it not to be a problem anymore. Just don't be in pain. (laughs) Right. Have you tried not hurting? (laughs) Perhaps that would benefit you. (laughs) So while she's moved on from that and she's in a much better place now and she's in a place where she's ready to quote unquote get a life, she still has some of these insecurities surrounding the fact that all these people left her. Mm -hmm. She seems to think about things like, am I not good enough for them to stay just for me? She's expecting people not to stay. So she's kind of dismissive of other people. Which comes across as not having a very pleasant attitude, which is what Red thinks. Yes. So, Chloe is living in this apartment. Well, the superintendent of the apartment is Red Morgan. He kind of presents as a bad boy, in a way. He's got long hair, he wears a leather jacket, he rides a motorcycle, he's got tattoos. But he's also a really cheerful, sweet guy. Cinnamon roll. (laughs) I think almost to a fault because he's constantly putting himself last Mm -hmm. to make other people's lives better. Yes. As he's working this superintendent job, he's helping tenants do things like change their light bulb or fix something and then ends up becoming like an emotional support superintendent to them as well (laughs) (laughs) listening to their problems trying to help them early on in the story he eats a casserole that he has no desire to eat to make this woman feel better about it just things like that red has a complicated past as well because before he began the superintendent gig he grew up poor 
on the wrong side of the tracks or whatever. And he became a painter and he's a really good artist. Really, really good. He gets discovered sort of by this wealthy young woman whose father is an art dealer. I think is he a dealer or a collector? I don't know. But anyway, he's got some influence. He begins dating this woman, making a name for himself in the art world. And he's on the verge of success when all of a sudden he breaks up with her and goes into hiding. And the reason for that is this woman is an abusive asshole. (laughs) Yep. She pretty much preyed on him from the very beginning Yeah, she's a winner. Emotionally abused him over the course of their relationship, made him feel small, made him feel like everything was always his fault. And at the end of the relationship, she actually physically abuses him, which results in him leaving. Yay. But right as he leaves, she goes ahead and strikes a death blow or a near death blow to his artistic confidence by saying that he wouldn't have made anything of himself without her and her father's help. What a peach, that one. He's kind of haunted by this relationship. He's not really moved past it. It's more like he's buried it deep, deep, deep inside. <laughs> <laughs> and while he's he's really cheerful and helpful and kind and thoughtful and all those things, he has this very deep mistrust of upper class people, especially young, beautiful upper class women like Chloe. His friend got him this job as a superintendent and he's been slowly pulling himself out of this pit of despair and self-loathing and painting again at night in his apartment. But his paintings aren't the same as they were before. They're darker now. They're edgier now. They have pain in them. Whereas before, his paintings were a lot more bright and hopeful and happy. And he seems to view this as a fault in himself. Like, he's doing it wrong now. You can't do art wrong. But yes. Chloe and Red clash a lot in this story, especially initially. Because Chloe has no time for him. Or really anybody. She doesn't want anyone to get close to her because, God forbid, they leave. And she also often isn't feeling very well. It's hard for her to pretend that things are fine. Mm -hmm. And then Red clashes back because he takes her mannerisms as something personal against him. And he's inclined to think that because of his past. So we have this very fun, angry dynamic (laughs) (laughs) at the beginning of the story. And... The author does a good job of injecting humor into this because both characters could come off as really bitter. Yeah. But they don't. No. They come off as really human with realistic problems and reasons for acting the way they do. And I I appreciated that. I thought it made it easier to stomach this friction at the beginning. It could have been painful to read, but it wasn't. Yeah, no, she did a really good job. Our story picks up with Chloe having moved into this apartment and she's 
kind of despairing over the fact that she hasn't worked on her list very much. She did move out, but she has some other items on her list, such as enjoy a drunken night out, ride a motorbike, go camping, have meaningless but thoroughly enjoyable sex, travel the world with nothing but hand luggage, and do something bad. Now, when she first moved into the apartment, she quickly checked off do something bad because her apartment window directly faces Red's apartment window from across the courtyard, and she's been spying on him as he paints at night. He paints shirtless. His apartment is lit up. He is his own portrait, and she is admiring it. (laughs) (laughs) But not not only his body and everything, but she admires the vitality he exudes as he paints. She wants that for herself, you know? Mm -hmm. And she feels really dirty and naughty and wrong about spying on him. And she tries not to do it, but every once in a while she does. Oops. And one night she thinks he catches her. She tries to reassure herself that he didn't, but it's pretty clear that he did. (laughs) (laughs) And then we end up in Red's head and it's confirmed, yes, he did catch her. And he has no idea why on earth this woman who seems to hate him is watching him. Like, what is she getting out of this? What is she going to do about it? He's expecting some nefarious motives. Let's see. Red has a friend, Vic, and he's also really close to his mother. Both of these people are good influences in his life and they want to see him succeed, see him back pursuing his dream to be an artist because they know that's what makes him happy. Vic is the one who gave him the job, but it was more of a here, let me help you out while you figure things out sort of job, not a here's your forever job, enjoy. And his mom is just concerned I think we we get the motherly concern and red after talking to them and visiting with them determines, okay, no, you're right. I'm going to work on this. Maybe I'll make a website. Maybe I'll put myself out there again on my own terms. Yes. Circumvent the gallery system. Right. Because he doesn't trust them either. Of course he has trust issues. Yes. Don't we all? <laughs> no. I am free of them. (laughs) Um, Insert laughter here. (laughs) Might I remind you that we like truth on the podcast? Right. (laughs) Truth. That tricky, tricky bitch. (laughs) So meanwhile, Chloe is out for a walk and she sees a cat up in a tree. And she is lured by this cat. She must rescue the cat. And even though she's not feeling great, she's feeling okay. And even though she knows climbing this tree is going to mean she's going to hurt later, she's decided, no, I'm not going to let that stop me. I want to rescue this cat. She masterfully climbs the tree, achieves reaching the cat, is holding it, bonding with it. It's lovely. And she's just kind of up in a tree now. (laughs) (laughs) now we're both stuck isn't this great (laughs) yeah (laughs) she's expended a lot of energy to get up there and sure she'll she'll come down when she's ready guys it's okay (laughs) it's a lovely view (laughs) 
You know, it's great. One could just live up here and enjoy the view forever. <laughs> I don't have a fear of heights at all. Red comes upon her and asks her if she's stuck in the tree, and she's like, "No, of course not." <laughs> What a bizarre concept, stuck in a tree. <laughs> <laughs> he asks her if she'd like some help getting out of the tree. And she asks him if he's on drugs. <laughs> Normal response. He is really offended by that because he feels like she's judging him. And then she corrects and says, no, no, I, I take drugs all the time. <laughs> Legal prescription drugs, but yeah, no, I'm not knocking drugs. Drugs are wonderful. <laughs> I love the drugs. <laughs> <laughs> so he wants to know more, but she's like, yeah, no, I'm a hero. I rescued a cat. We don't need to discuss that anymore. <laughs> and he's like climbing the tree and then guiding her down the tree. And he says something like, no, I'm the hero because I'm rescuing a woman and a cat. <laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> he successfully helps Chloe and the cat out of the tree. Chloe heavily implies that she's taking the cat home with her, even though pets aren't allowed and that he should just let her. And he kind of caves a little bit like, well, you can do that for now. But we both know he means he's not going to tell anyone. She immediately names this cat Smudge. I just don't understand that name. And then regally and cautiously hobbles home with Smudge in her arms. Hobbling because she's pushed herself maybe further than she should have. And she's feeling it now. Uh, consequences. That old chestnut. Red cannot stand this. He can tell she's hurting, and he's Mr. Fix-It. Mm-hmm. Literally. He's really worried that she got hurt climbing the tree, and he talks himself into going to check on her in her apartment. He twists his own arm. <laughs> he really does. <laughs> she answers the door. She's not looking well. Although, isn't she adorable in, like, a thing with a tail? Wow, I made that way weirder than it needed to be. <laughs> there is a point where she's wearing like a onesie, but I don't think it's at this point. Oh, okay. But yes, there is there is a moment where she wears a onesie with a tail. Like a lemur onesie or something. Yes. Because she's an adult. <laughs> and that's what adults do. <laughs> love it. There are plenty of adults that wear onesies, Em. Yeah, that's what I mean. I love it. <laughs> I may or may not have a onesie. Uh, oh, <laughs> you may or may not, huh? <laughs> I'm neither confirming it nor denying. What kind of onesie is this hypothetical onesie? A comfortable one. Is it like a unicorn onesie? It is not a unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> if it existed, which I'm not saying it does. Red... Gets her to open the door to her apartment. She does not look good. He pretty much invites himself in to, I don't know what he's expecting to do. He has concerns, okay? Chloe decides to take advantage of this and tells him, well, since you're here anyway, I'm going to go take a shower. Please rescue me if you hear unfortunate knocking or falling. 
<laughs> Don't just wait 30 seconds and then come in because you're worried. <laughs> Please wait till there is some sort of distress sound <laughs> or distressing sound and then inquire. Don't come in, just inquire. <laughs> This is not an invitation to peep. <laughs> yes. Don't know each other that well yet. No, he's a good gentleman. He does not peep. Yes. But he does still have concerns. And eventually they have a conversation where he asks her if she's hurt. Like, can you just admit that you got hurt? And she says, I'm not hurt, but I am in pain and I'm always in pain. Is this more than normal or is this normal? What is going on here? <laughs> all, all of this is making Red kind of reevaluate his initial assessment of Chloe and her behavior toward him. And he's starting to think maybe she's not a snob. Maybe she's not horrible. Maybe she's just kind of awkward and sarcastic and kind of grumpy. And maybe he shouldn't get mad and take it personally. Fair. Not all about you. Then she asks him to help her with her list. Yes. She is aware that he rides a motorcycle and that's one of the items on her list. Like he agrees in spite of himself, sort of. <laughs> the author does a good job of portraying that, you know, Red is attracted to Chloe, but in an unconscious sort of way at this point. Like, he thinks she's cute and everything, but he doesn't realize how attracted he is to her, but he keeps finding himself drawn to her and wanting to help her, wanting to engage with her, all those things. And then he's wondering why he's doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Chloe suggests that she could give him a free consultation and help him build a website for his art for, in return for him helping her with her list. And he's like, yeah, I don't need a free website i can pay for things i'm not some broke person in need of charity and chloe's like yeah no i'm not trying to give you charity i just don't want to get something and not have it even i want to have a, an exchange of sorts because the way she's rationalized all this in her head is that it'll be okay if it's a deal if it's a business proposition things will be safe things will be in control she won't be making a friend who could leave her. She has a business relationship with a end date. And that makes things safe for her. Yay, emotional safety. Yeah, it's not really <laughs> healthy. I wouldn't go there. Chloe's sisters come over. They find out about this deal with Red pretty much immediately. And they're both completely on board because they both think red is hot af and they think chloe should sleep with him because that would check an item off her list and then she could tell them all about it <laughs> <sighs> it's pretty funny pretty much everyone in the story around chloe and red know they're meant to be together and are constantly pushing them toward each other and chloe and red are like no <laughs> We have issues. <laughs> this is like with a cat, like with their paws out and their claws out. Uh-huh. No. Red is back at home. He's in his apartment. And now he's having sex dreams about Chloe. Now that he's realized she's not a major asshole, 
she isn't really like his ex at all, in spite of the wealthiness. He's allowing himself to, like, the unconscious attraction is coming into the conscious (laughs) in a big way, if you know what I mean. Yes, I believe I got your point. He's not really sure how he feels about it. He feels naughty, I think. Like, he feels dirty about it. Like, he shouldn't (sighs) feel like the way he feels. But he's woken up from this sexy dream and he decides, you know what, I'm going to take advantage of all the sexy imagery in my head and I'm going to, you know, jerk off. And he's working on that when someone knocks on his door and interrupts him. And that someone is Santa. (laughs) Awkward Santa moment. (laughs) And that someone is Chloe. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) So we have a very fun sexual tension slash cringe embarrassment moment where (laughs) Red is like, ah! (laughs) I do enjoy the awkwardness of others. She pretty much invites herself into his apartment to begin this consultation for the website. He doesn't really have very good seating in his living space and... He's aware uncomfortably of how she kind of how how she seems to need a bit more soft things to sit on. (laughs) And so he suggests that they discuss the website in his bedroom. And then (laughs) she teases him (laughs) because he says, oh, do you mind sitting in my room? And she says, oh, I don't know. Are you going to ravish me? And then he just gets this horrified look on his face. He's a blusher, so there's lots of blushing in this story from Red, which is very cute. I don't know. The the sexual tension, the flirtiness, the awkwardness continues. She talks about his art. He brings out a current piece to show her, and she loves it. And he can tell that she truly does love it, and she truly does think it's good. That really bolsters his confidence. Up until this point, he hasn't shown anybody at all his new stuff. Well, like I said before, he thought there was something wrong with it. Mm -hmm. But now he thinks, well, maybe things are okay. Maybe the stuff I'm doing is fine. He he also teases her because he's caught her peeping on him through the windows. And she hasn't admitted it. And he doesn't really expect her to. He doesn't really want her to. But he does enjoy teasing her about it and making her kind of uncomfortable. (laughs) Which is kind of mean, but on the other hand, she could relieve that by just admitting it. Yes. So I don't feel too bad for her. They also discuss the state of Smudge. Red wants to make sure that Chloe does her due diligence to find out if Smudge has any owners. And part of this is taking him to the vet to see if he's microchipped. Chloe, of course, she doesn't want to do any of that. She's bonded (laughs) quite significantly with smudge at this point but she does agree that she's going to look for the owners she doesn't want to steal someone's cat and then no and then (laughs) sorry i'm just being silly (laughs) there's even more tension because there's teasing and she kind of pushes at him and he grabs her arm and they fall on the bed and she's lying on top of him and it's just this whole moment He says, you know, I can't really concentrate today. Maybe we should postpone this consultation. And she says, okay. 
and she goes to leave. And then he says, you know, what I usually do when I feel like this is I go for a ride. Do you want to come? And she's like, oh, yeah, cool. I can check off a box. (laughs) Nice. They go on a sexy motorcycle ride. Again, sexual attention is top tier, I feel. The author has really nailed that. She has a ton of fun. Even though she's initially kind of scared, she ends up really loving riding on the back of his motorcycle. And he wants to know why she put that on her list. Like, why was that a thing? And she doesn't want to tell him. And then she asks him if he would be willing to help her with the other items on the list. And she'll build his whole website for free instead of just giving him a consultation. And he does agree, although he does tease her a little bit about the list. How dare. And she gives him a censored version of the list that just includes the items that she wants help with, which are going out on a drunken night of fun and camping and not meaningless wild sex. She doesn't really think she could have meaningless wild sex with Red anyway. She feels like she could have sex with him and it could be wild, but it wouldn't be meaningless. And thus it is scary. Later... Red goes to visit his friend Vic, gets a chance to paint in Vic's attic room. He thinks the view up there is lovely. The light is perfect. He figures if he paints in the attic room, he'll learn whether or not he's truly changed or if he can go back to painting how he used to paint. Didn't you love Vic and his wife? Oh, yeah. Vic is so supportive. He's such Mm -hmm. a good friend. I think the example of male friendship in this book is so nice. So sweet. And yeah, the relationship between Vic and his wife seems really fun. And Red likes to tease Vic about his wife. And it all seems to be like this fun thing. It's very cute. Yes. Agreed. We also get the beginning of the emails. So now Red and Chloe are emailing each other. Chloe begins by trying to put Red back in that box of, no, this is a professional relationship. And Red is like, no, poke, poke, poke. And then Chloe rises to the challenge and pokes back and it gets pretty flirty. It's a cute sequence in the story. It is. Red comes over so they can have a bit of a planning conversation around the list. And he schedules out times for the... For the things that they're going to do. The night out drinking will happen on Saturday. And the camping will happen the following weekend. Chloe is a little concerned because now it's very real and and everything. But she's also heartened because Red is taking the list seriously. And he's making his own list. And he's making like notes in it and everything. So it's almost like she's found a kindred spirit in a way. He also asks her about her health because he knows through context clues and things that she said that she is sick and has pain. He's worried about taking her out drinking or taking her out camping and going outside of her limits of what she's able to do. At first, she's kind of defensive about his questions, but he explains himself better and He's just like, you know, we're friends and I just want to make sure I don't do anything that's going to make things bad for you. And while I trust that you know your limits and everything, that doesn't mean that me being informed is bad. 
So she goes ahead and tells him uh, a little bit more of her health info. She's got this long ass laundry list of fibromyalgia, chronic pain, chronic fatigue, migraines, random periods of muscle weakness, etc., etc. <laughs> yeah. And then at one point during this conversation, he realizes she thinks about her life as like a before and an after, you know, before she had all this stuff. And now the after portion, what she's currently living in, he can relate to this. And he says, you know, I, I have some experience with feeling like that too. Like there's a before and an after. And she mentions that she can see that in his paintings. So there's this closeness developing. She shares some more of her history the shitty fiance who left her, the pneumonia that caused all this to start happening for her. She talks about how pretty much no one took her seriously except her family. They thought it was a mental health issue. Her friends bailed on her, all that kind of stuff. And how now she's able to manage her symptoms and deal with all her stuff. But she's in a place where she's afraid of herself and she's in this rut or it's almost a habit to be protective. And the list is to help her get her bravery back. I think it's at this point in the story that she's wearing, like during this whole conversation is when she's wearing the cute onesie. (laughs) She's wearing this fluffy gray lemur onesie with a tail She's starting to feel too warm and he can tell that she looks too warm. And he says something like, oh, you should take off your clothes. And she's like, uh, wait a second. (laughs) She's starting to think that he's attracted to her. She's hearing like this tone of voice when he talks to her and she's wondering, oh, does he feel attracted to me too? Because she does feel attracted to him. And then he kind of sees it on her face too so they've realized oh wait we are mutually attracted oh no what might that mean (laughs) yeah danger will robinson danger (laughs) right he starts holding her hand he kisses her jaw there's some licking of the earlobe and such things are getting a little hot and bothered and then she starts worrying about oh no my my very careful business relationship is <laughs> turning into something else so when he asks if he can kiss her she tells him to stop and he does he's actually awesome about mm-hmm. it yes very respectful doesn't make it weird and she inside is feeling like no 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 why did i say that why did i say that but it's just part of her issues mhm And she realizes she's never going to be able to have any meaningless anything with Red. She's too attracted to him. He's too nice. He's too cool. He's too amazing. She feels too connected to him. Just too, too, too much in a good way. Saturday arrives. It is the drinking evening. Red has made this list of all the places they're going to visit. And Chloe has realized that they're all within close walking distance of each other. She's becoming aware that red has planned all this to cater to her limitations and she appreciates it so while that part of her day is going well she also has received some bad news because it turns out that smudge does indeed have an owner she's going to have to return him oh 
when Red comes to pick her up, uh, she does tell him about Smudge and he does feel for her, but she quickly says, you know what? No, let's put this on the back burner and have fun tonight. She is dressed up. She looks hot. Red is drooling all over himself. Up to this point, he's been into her so much. He's into her in a lemur onesie. He's into her when she wears a long ass <laughs> skirt and a cardigan. And now she's wearing clubbing clothes and he's just like, holy cow, how am I going to survive tonight? Uh, <laughs> You're not. Ooh. It's very, very cute. And she asks him if it's appropriate, like what she's wearing. And he's like, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's totally fine. When they get to the first place, Chloe starts to realize pretty quickly that she's not having fun in the way that she thought she would or hoped she would. She was trying to recapture the fun that she had pre-chronic pain when she still had her friend group and everything and they'd go clubbing and go to bars and flirt with people and have fun and dance and all that and she associated it with going out drinking and now she's realizing no it is actually about the hanging out with the friends group that was the part that was good and so she admits to red pretty quickly that she doesn't really like it there and she'd like to go do something else she rationalizes you know hey i wrote the list i can change the list Mm -hmm. which i really liked that she wasn't beholden to the list so much I was a little worried when the story started that she was going to fuck herself over by holding to the list stringently. Yeah. And yet that does not happen. She changes the list to suit her as the story progresses in a very meaningful way. It was great that the list wasn't a problem. Yes. So she asks Red what he does for fun. And he's like, what? And she's like, yeah, that's what I want to do. I thought I wanted to do this, but actually... I just want to hang out. I want to learn more about you. I want to know what you do for fun. And he takes her to this art gallery in an alley. It almost feels like they're sneaking in. And it's pretty obvious that Red is being looked down on in this situation. I guess he just doesn't look posh enough (laughs) or something. I'm not sure Uh how they immediately recognize that he doesn't fit in in this art gallery. But okay. There's this group of people that have concerns One of them is this turtleneck wearing gentleman who thinks they need to leave and actually gets the owner of the gallery to kick Red out and yet is disappointed when it turns out that Red and the owner know each other. (laughs) (laughs) He's more than welcome to stay. (laughs) At this point, they have the conversation about their different experiences with discrimination where red talks about how he's kind of used to this treatment and he used to think chloe was a snob but you know maybe she's just oblivious to this stuff instead and chloe says i'm not completely oblivious i am black i do deal with discrimination of my own she says that for her she filters in order to deal with that sort of thing it's not the money it's that she's forced to just kind of build a dam to hold off all the little minor hurts you know that happen all throughout her life and it makes sense especially for chloe because she has enough hurt in her life (laughs) why would she yeah why would she take on extra 
Red admits to putting his baggage onto Chloe, comparing her to his ex and the class differences between them and all this. And he apologizes and says he's going to try to stop doing that. It's a good conversation. It's a needed conversation. And then when they do leave the gallery, Chloe says something about how the gallery owner seemed really nice. And Red's like, no, I hated that he kissed your hand. (laughs) And she's like, why? Why does that bother you? And he says that the first time Red shook her hand, she acted like he had electrocuted her. And she's like, oh. And then she says, it felt as though you had. Hmm. But in a good way. (laughs) 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 So we've got some trust developing between the two of them. You know, they've revealed their dark past and the skeletons in their closet and their inner demons and all that stuff. And And their underbellies, their soft underbellies. Yeah. And they still like each other. And there's this tentative newborn trust developing between them. And it's really sweet. Chloe points out to Red that he could probably display his art in that gallery. It seems like the guy would be totally on board with that. And Red's like, no, I want to be an independent artist. That's really important to me. I don't know if it's this conversation, but there's several times when she tells him he should get an Instagram um, to tie into his website. And he's like not into that at all either. Kind of for the same reasons, like he feels it's superficial and commercial and he doesn't want to be part of it. He doesn't want someone giving him likes or hearts or thumbs up or whatever. He just wants to put himself out there on his own terms. And then she finally admits to him about how she spied on him. (laughs) She tells him why. And it was because, well, I, I, I mentioned it earlier, but because he seems so alive and vital it wasn't just about oh yes your hot naked body although maybe it was a little bit (laughs) but it was also just the passion now he realizes that she's attracted to him which is so funny because she's a she he knew before you know when he was like kissing her neck and stuff but then she put him off and he thought okay well maybe i'm just in the friend zone i'm gonna have to deal with it And now here it is again in the light. He says he's going to ask her something. She starts looking kind of worried about it. And he promises he's not going to make anything complicated for her. And he asks if he can make her moan again. We get some more sexy, I don't know, licking, kissing, biting, that sort of thing. They're in public, by the way. Yeah, I mean, they're in public, but they're (laughs) discreet-ish. Sure, ish. It's night, I guess. (laughs) There's that. They got that going for them. Yeah, I think they're leaning against like a a statue or something, and he's I think he's fingering her. I think that's what it gets to. Anyway, she comes, which is nice. Yay for her. She wants to return the favor, and he's like, uh (laughs) maybe not here. I'd rather not fuck you in an alley if it's all the same to you. (laughs) Picky, picky, picky. Okay, so now we have to focus on the word complicated because unfortunately, Red said he wouldn't make things complicated at first when Chloe was all horny and into it. She thought, yay, that's great. 
perfect for me. And now she's realizing, no, I want things to be complicated. (laughs) (laughs) Not really complicated, but she wants him to be invested in her. Yeah. Because she's invested in him. And up to this point, they haven't even kissed. I mean, on the mouth. So she's all up in her head. She's really worried about things. He's feeling like a hero because he got her off in the middle of an alley. And then her aunt shows up and she's drunk. She's out with her friends. They're all drunk. And Chloe starts freaking out because she doesn't want to make things complicated, I guess. (laughs) I don't know. It's really odd to me. This sort of thing happens a lot in stories where one of the characters has a chip on their shoulder and it always kind of drives me crazy. So basically what happens is Chloe tries to get her aunt to leave. Her aunt is like, oh, who's this handsome young man you're with? Introduce us. And Chloe stupidly says, oh, he's nobody. You need to leave, auntie. Go have fun with your friends. Mm-hmm. And eventually gets her aunt to leave. Meanwhile, Red's standing there going, oh, I'm nobody. Yeah. Uh-oh. And it's really shitty. And I, I hate when this happens in stories because... How hard is it to introduce somebody? Honestly, 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 I don't care if you're up in your head. You don't have to start thinking, oh, who is this person to me? Are they my boyfriend? Are we together? Is it exclusive? Are we in love? Uh, or any of that stuff. You just say, oh, yeah, this is red. Yeah. <laughs> That's all she had to say. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it was like just an anxiety panic thing or or what. That kind of thing happening in this story is not exclusive to this story but yeah i'm of a similar mindset like how hard is it just to do a quick intro and then redirect i don't understand this is red he's an artist uh Mm -hmm. this is my aunt so-and-so she does whatever it is lawyering i think (laughs) how hard is that my gosh yeah i i don't know i mean Unless there is a very good reason in the story not to, I can't imagine. Like a Romeo and Juliet thing, you know what I mean? Like a really... Yeah. The identity must not be known sort of thing. Then, yeah, I don't understand. It always ends up seeming more unnecessary and ridiculous. It does. And Chloe's motivation seems so dumb. Like, she's just, oh, I don't want to make things complicated. I don't want to examine our feelings or make it sound like it's more than it is. And I also don't want my aunt to go off and tell my whole family about this. And it's just like, dude, that ship has sailed. Okay. Your aunt is going to go tell everybody. Just, just let it go, girl. Just let it go. You're not minimizing at this point. She realizes pretty early on that he's really hurt by this. And she tries to explain that she was feeling overwhelmed and, She just didn't want to give her aunt the wrong idea. And he's taking it really poorly because all his baggage and issues are rearing their ugly head. And he's like, you didn't want to give her the right idea about what specifically? Yeah. Why is the right idea the bad idea? Then she tries to tease him and kind of laugh it off. And she calls him her bad boy tutor. Oh, it's really bad. She says services including but not limited to illicit orgasms. Yeah. It's just, it's really, really bad. She just digs a hole and then jumps in headfirst. Yep. (laughs) And yet, 
as she's saying all this, she's also realizing how much she's fucking up. And she's starting to realize that at no point would Red ever do that to her. And she's thinking, is it just because I've been self-isolating so much? Is it because I don't have good social skills anymore? Like, what is my problem? But the night ends painfully because he walks her back to her door and leaves and they don't say anything. It's really sad, especially because of the newborn baby trust that they had that she then promptly murdered. Yep. She doesn't do it. Now it's the next day and Red is struggling because of the situation that happened last night. (laughs) I think with good reason, I feel like red's response is genuine and it makes sense for the story especially given all his history and everything the problem i have with this particular bump in the road or whatever you want to call it in the relationship is chloe's part of it and it's not unique to this story but i just really struggle with the whole oh my gosh i can't possibly introduce this person i'm with to someone else yeah get over yourself just introduce them I also often struggle, like, it depends on what's keeping the lovers apart. Like, sometimes there seems to be good reasons, and other times they seem to be insufficient. Although, granted, I feel in this story, they're not insufficient, but I I feel like their their motivations for not engaging is genuine and truthful to those characters, and I feel like the progression of the burgeoning relationship is honest to the characters. Which is, again, why I struggle with the, just say he's an acquaintance or a friend. I think he will understand why you're not. Well, I think we might be together, maybe, or we will be together, considering what we just did. Yeah. He's a rational human being. He should get that. I get that it feels awkward that your aunt discovered you shortly after this (laughs) hot dude made you come in an alley. I get it. Mm Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's not hard to say, oh, yeah, this is Red. He's an artist. Yep. You don't even have to say he's your friend or your boyfriend or whatever. You don't have to. Nope. Isn't it implied because you're hanging out? This is true. It's not complicated. And she makes it complicated by trying to make it not complicated. Yeah. That's what I was saying. Like, maybe it was an anxiety thing. I think that's what it's supposed to be. Yeah. But I guess for me, it felt... It felt unrealistic. Chloe is so self-aware most of the time. It didn't make sense for her. And she seems so assertive in so many situations. It's different when it's family, but still. At any rate, Red is still upset. He's received an apology text from Chloe, but he doesn't really know what to do about it. Uh, He doesn't really know how to answer her he decides he's gonna finally 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 make an appointment with a therapist he's realizing you know what i should maybe give her the benefit of the doubt and i'm not and so maybe i should work on myself he has this sort of realization multiple times throughout the story where he takes something chloe says or does really 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 personally and then he stops and he goes you know what that's my trauma that's my baggage i need to work on it it's not chloe chloe's not like my ex at all yeah but in this particular case even though i applaud him for going to therapy and i think it was a good decision i kind of feel like it is chloe it was her fault like (laughs) yeah she even tells him at one point which it's later in the story but like it's okay to be mad at me 
Yeah. I can be the bad guy. Just because she lives with chronic pain and all those things, it doesn't mean that she can't also be the bad guy. Don't sugarcoat. Don't minimize. Yeah, she's a human being. She's not Especially perfect. since so many people, I wouldn't say take advantage of him, but he offers himself up so freely. He allows himself to be taken advantage of. Not that it's intentional, I think, on the part of others, but he isn't very good at setting boundaries. But on the plus side, even though he's stewing over this whole Chloe thing, he's made an appointment with a therapist. He's decided it might be okay to go ahead and quit this job that he's been doing for two years. And it was supposed to be just a brief thing while he got back on his feet. And it hasn't been. And he also is looking forward to getting his art out there. And, and he doesn't think Chloe is going to hold anything against him. He 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 knows that Chloe is going to finish building the website. She's going to hold up her end of the deal. He knows, logically, that she isn't like his ex. Yeah. So he's dealing with a lot, but he's also working on himself. On Chloe's side... Yeah, her aunt went and told her whole family that she was out with a man. It was a whole thing. However, <laughs> she's also having trouble because today is the day she has to give Smudge back to his owner. He meets up with said owner, whose name is Annie. Annie is a young woman about her age. She's kind of quirky. She says Smudge is a girl and his name is Perdita. Chloe just can't wrap her brain around that. She's like, He's he's not spotty. He's not a dog. I don't understand. <laughs> Annie's like, well, no, after the 101 Dalmatians. He's like, no, that would be a great name for a different pet, but not him. <laughs> but Smudge is better? I don't know. <laughs> Annie likes Chloe in spite of all this <laughs> and says, we should go get coffee sometime. Here's my card. <laughs> She leaves, and then Chloe realizes she is now crying in public, on the street, over this cat that she's had for a few weeks, and she's feeling devastated, and it's just awful and horrible, and oh my gosh, her life is ending. Annie doesn't even deserve smudge. How dare she? And I, dude, I get it. That That would be devastating. She hasn't allowed herself to make any new relationships and yet she's embraced this cat full on and doesn't get to keep it yeah red shows up at her apartment to talk about the website because he was scheduled to talk about the website at this time <laughs> she's not doing good she looks like shit she feels like shit he's worried about her but then he also is mad and he cuts her off and he says to her that he wants to make it clear that he's really pissed at her, but he does realize that he doesn't think she meant it that way, but he's still pissed and he's going to be angry until he's ready to stop being angry. And she's looking at him like, uh-huh, yep, that's totally fine. You're allowed to be angry. Have your feelings. I'm glad you're telling me about <laughs> them. And then he looks kind of relieved. That speech he just made this is something new for him that he's setting a boundary that he's allowed to be angry and by God, he's going to be angry if he wants to. She wants to validate that. Yeah. So that's when she tells him, yeah, it's, 
totally fine for you to be angry at me. It's totally fine for you to be angry in general. That's good. (laughs) And he says, I know. (laughs) I just said all that, didn't I? (laughs) And then he interrupts her and is like, you need to lay down. You need to relax. She is like, you know, that, that does sound really, really good. Maybe I'll just lean against this wall and and slide down the wall and and it'll be fine. And Red's like, are you passing out right now? And she's like, no, no, that's usually more sudden. (laughs) Don't mind if I just drop to the floor. (laughs) So he picks her up and he gets her set up in the living room where she had been or whatever. And they finally talk a little bit about that night. She says... You said it wasn't complicated and you didn't want it to be complicated, but it made things complicated for me and I started panicking and I don't know, like, I think that's why I acted the way I did. And he said, you know, it complicated things for me too. And then he says, but you don't know what I want from you. And that seems to be a realization for him. Up until this point, he thought maybe they were on the same page. He's on the relationship train. Yeah. Chloe's been on this whole other train where she's just like, I like you, but I cannot be attached. I I don't even think she's on a train. I think she's at the station. She's been stuck at the station for a while. So anyway, he's like, yeah, you don't know what I want from you, do you? And she goes, um, I don't, but maybe I, I do. And I'm just afraid to face it. I'm scared. Hold me. He asks if he could stay the night just to hang out to take care of her. She's like, oh, I want you, but I can't do sex right now. (laughs) I'm not feeling good. And he's like, no, I I didn't mean that. Although it's nice to know that you want me. I want you to. It's kind of this fun, teasy sort of dynamic. So they're sliding back into that. They've gotten over this hiccup. Things are okay. It'll it'll be okay, y'all. It's fine. (sighs) It's totally fine. Uh, Red really enjoys taking care of Chloe. This is where he was meant to be. He just wants to make her happy. He realizes that. He's thinking, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, this feels a lot like that four-letter word that I've been trying to steer clear from. (laughs) He mentions the website, and then she realizes, oh, no, I forgot all about the website because she's been dealing with all her stuff. And she's like, but I'll I'll fix it. I'll send you stuff tomorrow. It'll be fine. And he's like, okay. That's totally fine. I'm totally cool with that. He cooks for her. He notices that Smudge is gone. Yeah, that's sad. Yeah. He's sad and he's also sad for her because he realizes the impact that Smudge had on Chloe's life in such a short time. Chloe talks about how it was so weird meeting up with Annie and that she gave her her business card and asked to meet up for coffee and red's like it sounds like she wants to be friends with you and chloe's just like what what is this friends who are friends (sighs) i don't do friends and then they end up sleeping in bed together just sleeping it's innocent it's sweet when he wakes up in the morning chloe has taken a shower she's wearing a towel he likes this development he likes starting the day with her like I said, this is where he wants to be. This is what he wants out of life. He wants to be with Chloe. She's starting to realize that what he wants is a relationship. She's starting to realize that's the train that's headed to her station. <laughs> she's 
She's a little worried about it. She tells him she's scared, but she wants to try. And they kiss. And then there's this really, really sweet part. So they're kissing, they're making out. It looks like it might proceed to sex. And then he tells her to slow down. And she's worried that she's being rejected. And so she steps away from him. And she gets kind of stiff and like awkward. And then he pulls her back into his arms and he says, quote, don't do that. This is your spot now. Okay. And I just thought that was so cute. (laughs) Her spot is in his arms. I made hard eyes. It was cute. (laughs) But yeah, the reason he doesn't want to have sex is because he doesn't have any condoms. Oops. Things are going well. The website looks good. They're back on the same page, even more so than before, because they're riding the relationship train together. Choo-choo all the way. Chloe decides she's going to update her list. One of the things that she does is she crosses out, enjoy a drunken night out, and replaces it with call Annie, be nice and make friends. And then she crosses out meaningless sex because she realizes that's not really something she wants. And then she writes, keep red. She's on that train now. That's what Mm -hmm. she wants too. She wants a future with red. We get a scene where Chloe meets up with Annie for that coffee and they do make friends sort of and it it is good but I kind of I don't know the Annie thing I think is important for Chloe's character development but it doesn't really feel prominent enough in the story. We get like this coffee date and now they're friends and things happen and we just assume that they're friends now but we don't see any of that friendship building and I've Kind of feel like we needed at least one more scene with Annie. Yeah. It's now Saturday afternoon yet again, the following weekend, the camping weekend. Red has done two sessions of therapy. He's feeling a lot better about himself. He's had a phone call with his friend Vic where he's come clean about having a relationship with one of the tenants and has given his notice because he's ready to move on with his life. Start doing the art thing for real again. He picks Chloe up, takes her out to the camping spot. He's got this really nice spot set out where it's not too far from the car. Because, again, he's aware of her limitations and makes adjustments for her comfort. At no point in the story does he make her feel bad or wrong or any what way about her limitations at all. She realizes it over the course of the story and she struggles with accepting it for what it is which is just kindness and acceptance yeah she's got that little voice in the back of her head that is telling her no no i must be perfect (laughs) and do this all on my own but she's learning she's growing red sets up the tent he sets up a campfire it's like a portable fire in a tin or something i've never seen one of those but sounds cool i guess it's easy to put out and take with you nice They play 21 questions. It doesn't go very long before Chloe asks him what happened to him in London and what happened to his career. And she says, this isn't really part of the game. I just want to know, but you don't have to answer me. And he's like thinking to himself, no, I'm going to answer her. I want to tell her everything because I love her. And then he realizes, oh, oh shit, I love her. Oh my God. So he tells her the story of a shitty ex You've all heard that already. It's sad. It's unfortunate. She stabs him with a fork. (laughs) 
yeah, it's messed up. And then he spent a year just kind of frozen in place, not sure what he was going to do with himself. She asks him if he's had any therapy and he's like, yeah, actually I just started therapy. And then she's like, okay, that's great. And then she's like, okay, that fucker did not make you as an artist. She spotted you before anyone else, sank her fangs into you and sucked out your loveliness like a leech. She's horrible. She also says, it's okay that you left everything behind. That isn't wrong. You can still fix it and move on with your life. You know, you always say such nice things to me. I want to say those things to you. It's sweet. He gets Mm -hmm. a sense of her caring for him, which is nice because up until this point of the story, it's all been him caring for her. Yes. When it's time to adjourn to the tent, he set up a mattress. He set up fairy lights all around the tent. It's very romantic. She loves it. At this point, she realizes she's in love with him. They don't say it yet. I think they're both worried the other one doesn't feel it yet and it's too soon. They do have the sex, though, and it's amazing and wonderful. They go back home. He's hanging out in her apartment. They're having more sexy times. All of a sudden, they're naked in the bedroom and they hear a key opening her front door. And Louis like, oh, shit, there's probably someone in my family worried about me. <laughs> I haven't checked in with them while I was camping. Oopsie. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, so this is where we get the second big horrible thing that happens in the story that I also feel conflicted about. All right. The people coming to check on Chloe are her sister's. Prior in the story, we've learned that the sisters have made a bet whether or not Chloe was going to sleep with Red and cross off the meaningless sex on the list. And Red overhears them talking about this bet, which Chloe didn't know about up until this point. And then she says that she changed the list and he hears all that too. And she says that she replaced it and she put Red on the list. And for some reason, he takes that in a bad way. I didn't understand that. No! I'm glad I wasn't the only one who's confused. Right. So once Chloe gets her sisters to leave, she goes back into the bedroom and she thinks everything's fine. And Red does not look okay. He's upset. And Chloe is just, she doesn't know what happened. Yeah. You and me both, sister. (laughs) I, yeah, I don't know what happened either. I really don't understand what happened in this part of the story. I get that he is dealing with a lot. I get that he's an abuse survivor, but for whatever reason, her saying that she put red on the list really triggers him really bad. And he says he needs to get dressed. He needs to leave. She goes to hug him, grab him, be sweet with him. He jerks away from her. He asks her if it's true, if if he's really on her list And she just doesn't understand, like, why is that bad? And then he says, well, this whole time you were just using me for your stupid list, ticking off boxes and laughing with your sisters about it. And Chloe's like, I would never do that. And you know it. (sighs) She says she put him on the list because he's important. Yeah. And he says, important, like doing something bad. Didn't you use me for that, too? And I thought it was fucking cute. Don't tell me I don't understand. You will not make a fool out of me. 
And then she says, wait, I'm going to show you. She's trying to find her journal, but she can't because she's got a ton of journals because she really likes journals and lists. And he doesn't want to stand around and wait. He's thinking she's going to use it to gaslight him into thinking her way, just like his ex used to do. He goes, just stop. You got me. It's done. So tick me off the list and I'll pretend I never fucking met you. Good riddance. (sighs) He gets to the doorway. She says, just trust me. And he says, I don't think I can. And then she says, if you leave this easily, don't fucking come back. And so he leaves and the door slams. It's like a gulf has opened between them. He's in the hallway. He's leaning against her door. He sinks down to the floor. And all of a sudden he's like, oh shit, what did I do? Yeah, what did you do? He realizes that he made up a story in his head and acted on that story and didn't pay any attention to what was really going on. (laughs) And he kind of doesn't know what to do about it. And he calls through the door for Chloe. And finally she answers and he's like, I'm such a dick. And she goes, yeah, uh uh-huh. I know. (laughs) (laughs) He wants to come in and talk. She's like, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. He apologizes. He tries to explain that he panicked and he fucked up and all this stuff. And he's so sorry. She says that she understands, but she can't do this because she can't handle this pain. She says, quote, when you walked out, it felt like I was breaking. No one should be able to make me feel like that. No one should have that power. It's not safe. He says he's going to show her that it's worth it and she doesn't need to be afraid because he's going to show her that he can make it better when he makes a mistake. She's perfect for him. All this stuff. We can do it. She's like, yeah, no, relationships aren't supposed to hurt. He says, quote, life hurts. It's unavoidable. But I know the difference between torture and growing pains. She doesn't say anything. Then he says, I love you. And then he leaves. He's determined to prove that they can get over this together. However, Chloe has determined that she doesn't want to deal with this bullshit anymore. She deals with enough pain in her life. She was stupid to get close to Red. She's just going to pull him out like a splinter and put him in a compartment where he belongs. And she starts to do that. She packs up all her feelings, shoves them in a box in the back of her brain, finishes building his website, Sends him an email with all the info that he needs, thinking, all right, that's my final tie to him. I don't have to worry about this anymore. But then when she goes outside her apartment the next day, she sees a notice on the building's bulletin board that Red will no longer be the superintendent soon. And he's actually leaving next month. When she gets back, she finds a box left for her, like a package. And inside is this gorgeous notebook. And inside the notebook... She opens it and sees Red's handwriting and she closes it and is like, nope, I'm not doing this. This isn't a thing that's happening. So the days pass and she keeps getting these little gifts, trinkets, things like that, that really show that Red knows Chloe. He was paying attention. Yeah, he was paying attention really, really well. And she misses him. She just doesn't know what to do with this feeling. Yeah. She wants to open this notebook. (laughs) She's pretty sure, you know, it isn't a goodbye at this point. She's pretty sure it's probably an apology or an an explanation or something. And finally, 
She's like, okay, I need to go see someone wiser than myself. And she goes to her grandmother, Gigi, and gets some advice about how you know if it's safe to be in love and whether or not it's worth the risk. And basically, she wants Gigi to affirm that she did the right thing, cutting Red out. But Gigi says, quote, love is certainly never safe, but it's absolutely worth it. Yeah. She says that she loves him and he loves her too. But, quote, we hurt each other. And now I feel trapped in this endless hesitation because, well, what if we keep doing it? What if we keep making messes? I've always felt like I'm the kind of person who hurts too much. Hmm. And Gigi says, no, you are a woman who, in a life filled with pain, came here to ask about love. So Gigi is very wise. Yes. <laughs> this gives Chloe the strength to go home, open the notebook, and read it. It ends up being a list entitled, Get Chloe Back. <laughs> <laughs> On the list... <laughs> I liked this list. <laughs> we have lure her with food and presents. Wait outside Annie's house. Nick smudge. Learn how to use a PlayStation. Paint in front of windows shirtless, maybe naked. <laughs> yeah, he's got he's got some good things on there. She decides she's going to see if he's actually painting, even though she's terrified of opening the curtains to look across the courtyard to see if he's in the window. She does. And he's there, and he realizes that she's looking, and she realizes she wants him back. Meanwhile, back in Red's head, he's decided that previously his specialty was fucking up with things, but that is no longer acceptable, and now his specialty is fixing things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he, over this past week, has been struggling to maintain that sense of hope that he can make things better. And so when she finally opens the curtains and he sees her across the courtyard, he realizes, oh, thank God, <laughs> maybe I have a chance. <laughs> <laughs> Chloe is now knocking on his door. She has brought her own notebook, the one that she wrote the list in, and she wants him to read it. And he does. And he sees the, the entry on the list that says, keep red. He just is like, Yeah. I really fucked up. <laughs> he tries to apologize again. He tries to talk about how much he was wrong. And she says, you know, I read your letter. I liked it. I liked the presence. He says, just put me out of my misery. And so she goes, okay. And she kisses him. And then they share I love yous. Aww. And they apologize. And they realize it's okay. And she doesn't want to be afraid anymore. He's more important than anything else she's she wants to be with him then we get an epilogue of a year later chloe and red are in new york this is a trip that they had talked about earlier in the book um about how he had wanted to go to new york and she wanted to go to new york and he wanted to see the museum of modern art and it was just this big old thing and they're going together Yay. how about that and they're going to go see the Museum of Modern Art. They've made it a whole year, guys. Maybe it'll be okay from now on. <laughs> Fingers crossed. The end. How was the audiobook? The audiobook was really good. 
So this book was narrated by Adra Ando. She did an incredible job at narration. Superb performance. If you realize that her voice sounds familiar, it's because she plays Lady Danbury in the Bridgerton and Queen Charlotte series. Oh. I was listening. I was like, that is a very familiar voice. Where do I know that voice from? (laughs) Because I started listening without, I don't know, I wasn't paying attention or something. But yes, very good. She's clearly super talented. Are you happy for their happy? Mostly, yes. (laughs) I don't know. Like her sudden like freaking out thing and then like him walking off, like especially at the end and how they split. Yeah. I don't know. It makes me nervous. But I mean, mostly. What about you? I'm kind of nervous, too. I am happy for them. I think they're well suited. I think they truly love each other. I think they had really good chemistry. I think if they both keep working on themselves and maybe both go to therapy instead of just red. Yeah. They they can continue to build that fragile trust that they have with each other. And ultimately, the trust is there. (laughs) Yeah. But they have these issues that just rear their ugly heads and cause them to act out in the most horrible ways yeah yeah could they not do that again that would be nice (laughs) but i am yeah i am happy for them shall we rate them yes let's rate them okay let's rate chloe yeah i thought she was awesome sort of like you were saying i think maybe a little bit of therapy wouldn't be such a bad idea but she's overcoming her challenges she's pursuing the life that she wants i find that admirable She's not allowing things to hold her back. She's being brave. I don't quite understand that. I don't know this person. Knee-jerk reaction. It's peculiar. But, I mean, overall, yeah, I think she's awesome. What about you? I thought Chloe was really awesome as well. I really liked her. I liked her growth arc. Yeah. She was really well-written and believable. She seemed like a real person. She wasn't perfect. Yeah. I really appreciated that. I liked that there was some visibility for character that had different issues. I haven't really read about a character who experiences chronic pain in this particular way before. I thought that was an interesting and insightful addition to the story, but didn't turn into one of those, like it didn't feel gimmicky, you know? Yeah, no, it didn't. I know sometimes the the character is given something like, so often we use the word flaw, and I don't think her her illness is a flaw, but, you know, a character's given some sort of flaw, and it's just like, oh, it's this cute little gimmicky thing that makes her different. And it didn't feel that way for Chloe. It just felt like, you know what? She's a real person, and this is what she deals with, and this is her life. Here you go. She yeah. deserves to be happy and find love, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I liked that aspect of the story a lot. I wish that there had been some other way for the author to cause strife between the couple yeah i don't know that it really detracts from chloe's awesomeness but it does make the relationship itself kind of awkward to me you know Mm. Mm Hmm. or maybe it is maybe maybe it does make her kind of awkward i guess the way she's written if she's acting that way she's written to act that way i don't know 
it felt really intense for, I don't want to say no reason, because I think the author gave us a lot of background, a lot of insight into why Chloe would act the way that she acts. I understand she doesn't want to be abandoned. I understand that she doesn't feel comfortable forming attachments. I, I get all that, but it still feels like the things she says and does during those two big moments, the two big bumps in the relationship, just feel like a lot. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I want more, more of a build up to it or something. I don't know. I think in Chloe's case, especially the first bump in the relationship where she just says that Red's nobody, that was hard for me to understand. Yeah. Yeah, I struggled with that too. I didn't get it. It felt like the author just wanted there to be a reason for them to have a fight instead of something happening naturally. I guess that aspect was a little awkward, but it doesn't really make her not awesome. I really liked Chloe. How do you rate Red? I rated Red awesome. I commend his character for recognizing that therapy would be beneficial to him and getting that and getting himself out of that abusive relationship that he was in. Yeah. I also really admire that he he took the time to think it through. Like, Chloe is not the asshole ex. Ergo, right. I should find more information out rather than just, I don't know, handle it differently. I enjoyed his relationship with his bestie. That was amazing. I really liked him as a character. What about you? I rate Red awesome as well. I did really enjoy him. Just like Chloe, I felt like he was a very realistic human being. Thoughts, feelings, emotions, problems, all that stuff. It felt very realistic. I thought that the author did a insightful portrayal of someone recovering from an abusive relationship. And again, it was nice to get some sort of representation of the fact that men can be in abusive relationships as well. Yeah. Can be abused. Not that I want men to be abused or anything, but it is nice to have that recognized in a story like this. I agree. I thought he was really strong. Just like you, I thought it was great that he decided to go to therapy. I thought it was great that he was so insightful and introspective about his reactions to things and he was willing to question himself and his own thinking and realize that, you know, the story I'm telling isn't the truth. But again, I get like a hiccup. There's an awkward hiccup where yeah. for him, it's the second altercation in the story. I totally get why he reacted the way he did when Chloe said he was nobody. I was totally on board with him as a character. I think he acted completely true to character. When we get to the second altercation at the very end of the book where he blows up and reacts so strongly to the conversation he overhears between Chloe and her sisters. It just made no sense to me whatsoever. I mean, this is a man, he's been going to therapy, he's been working on himself. Every single other time in the story when something has happened, he's managed to talk himself through it and figure it out. And yet this thing, this particular thing sets him off. And it didn't make sense to me that this would be the thing to set him off in that way because she put him on the list. And he took it badly. And I don't understand why he took it badly. Yeah. I don't know why he he took it to that degree. I'm so confused about it still. But it doesn't really detract from the rest of his awesomeness. And so I still rate him awesome. But 
yeah, those two, the two fights in this story were not awesome. I rate them awkward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about the villains for you? Oh, the villains. Uh, I mean, I guess they're kind of predictable. Like, so obviously Red's ex, she's on the list. I felt she was effective even, even though she wasn't present because it, it clearly influenced his behavior. Same with Chloe's former social group, I guess, and ex-fiance. They're both clearly dealing with the scars of rejection for her and abuse for him. Yeah. So, yeah, I would say they're both effective. That That's my pretty short list. What about you? Yeah, I agree that there aren't very many villains on the page. We have... We have Red's ex, who is pretty much off page. Like, what we hear about her is just him dealing with it now. Yeah. I feel like it was effective, definitely. And then as far as Chloe's ex and her relationships with her friends and whatnot, also effective, but also completely off page. No one rears their ugly head and shows up in this book. And to tell you the truth, I was a little worried that Red's ex would, and I was happy that she didn't. Yes. So I liked the choice the author made to keep that in the past. I would say the primary villains in the story are their respective traumas. Mm -hmm. So was that character versus self, I think, is like the primary antagonistic part of the story (laughs) for both of them. Yeah. It is really effective. I think they both really work on themselves. So often we read a story and I say, oh, it was definitely this character's story or that character's story. I feel like this book, they they both have a really good character arc. You know, they're both growing and changing and learning and, and all that. And I thought that was really nice to have in a story. And they're growing and changing and learning together, which was also really nice. So I think it was effective for the most part. I think the biggest issue I had with the traumas is, is the... Again, you know, let me get out my dead horse and beat it some more. But the <laughs> the two altercations, you know, the two speed bumps or whatever you want to call them. Like, why? <laughs> I needed more. <laughs> I must admit, it's like for for most of the story, all the scenes were handled so well. So it was a little disjointed or disjointing or I can't think of the right word to suddenly have them not feel satisfying yeah even when you have characters that don't get along it's not this i mean you know it's part of the story too but you want it to feel genuine yeah and the unfortunately those those didn't it's very much the hey we're traveling so smooth and then oh that was a bump (laughs) yeah well, especially because they're both so good at being introspective and thinking through things. Yes. People can still have those skills, but then when push comes to shove, not not implement them. But then it needs to be clear why. Right. Like you were saying, like, okay, why was this the straw? Because it didn't seem like this should be the straw. Unless there was something very specific with the X as to the reason but then that wasn't clear which would make sense you know if it just for some reason pushed his trigger button and he went into panic mode and reacted and then 
as soon as he's on the other side of the door and calm down and thinking things through and going, oh, no. I have a question. Do you feel like he figured like, okay, so let's say that the way he reacted, that was the final straw. It makes sense that he would react that way. All that. If we give the story that, which I, I don't really, but, you know, hypothetically, if we give the story that, then does it make sense for him to realize so quickly that it was a mistake for him to snap out of it so quickly? Maybe not that quickly. It felt really fast to me. I get the, you know, cooler heads introspection, but yeah, it was a little too, too immediate or too immediately after. If he was that upset, I don't think it would take him just stepping outside of the apartment. No, I think it would take longer <laughs> to wind down. Yeah, you know, like maybe he needs to go for a, a motorcycle ride or something. Maybe even talking to the bestie or something. Something. Yeah, I don't know. Anyways, how'd you read the book? I enjoyed the book. I gave it a 4.5. What about you? I also gave it a 4.5. Ooh, twinsies. I put it as a five on Goodreads, but in my heart, it is a 4.5 because of the stuff we've been talking about. <laughs> but I really freaking loved it. Other than that, I thought it was so good. I loved the character development. I loved the writing style. Yeah. It was funny. It was poignant. Yeah, it was good. Well, did you feel romanced? Yeah, I did. Yay. I really liked them together. I thought they had really good chemistry. I thought we had a lot of emotional intimacy in the story, which I mm. enjoyed. Mm -hmm. And I think that overall, in spite of the, uh, what I've been affectionately calling the speed bumps, <laughs> <laughs> their relationship's really nice. It's really sweet. I'm into it. What about you? Did you feel romanced? I was charmed. I enjoyed it a lot. And I did feel romanced. <gasps> oh, you faked me out. Because usually you did say I? you were charmed and then you go, but I was not romanced. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was all the, I was charmed and romanced. Oh, that's so good. It's been a while. I'm glad. It has. I'm happy I think it you. has. <laughs> you deserve to feel romanced. <laughs> uh, yay. <laughs> <laughs> what else have you been reading? Well, I recently finished The Misadventures of Awkward Black Girl by Issa Rae. I saw awkward in the title. I'm like, ah, my people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so lots, lots of laughs, lots of snort laughs. Not gonna lie. There was some awkward in the store moments where I was like busting out laughing and people probably thought I was crazy. <laughs> That's fine. They can think what they like. So Ray recounts. Uh, the events in her life that brought her to celebrate her identity as Awkward Black Girl. I certainly enjoyed the uh, social missteps when she was younger. You know, the confidence of youth. Like, I know exactly what I'm doing. This is going to impress everybody. Nice. Maybe not so much. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. It was wonderful. What about you? What have you been reading? I recently finished Space for Love by Emily Antoinette. This is a sci-fi romance. Gasp. But it's a little different than a lot of sci-fi romances because it is lacking the abduction trope. Oh, yay. 
and is described (laughs) as cozy, which is fun. Huh. Yes, abductions are not cozy. I was intrigued. This seems to be a newer author, and I really hope she continues writing because I really love the story. Our human female character has moved to a space station to start over in her life. Her friend gives her a free pass to go check out a hollow. So, all right. If you're a Trekkie, especially if you watch like Next Gen, you know all about the holodeck. And it's pretty intense, right? (laughs) Sure. Yes. (laughs) I think this author was like, I want to write about a hollow deck. <laughs> I'm here for that. The guy who works behind the desk and who runs the simulations is really taken with her right away. She sees a simulated representation of him that isn't actually him at all. Doesn't really look like him at all, but they really hit it off personality wise. And then when she's in the simulation, he ends up needing to help her and he's just infatuated. I would think so. And he's an alien, obviously. And he actually knows her friend. Like they're socially in the same circles. And so she actually meets him for real, but she doesn't realize it. And I guess his form, like the way he looks naturally is pretty intimidating. And he thinks that she is not attracted to him at all. And so he thinks it's not meant to be type of thing. She ends up developing a friendship with him as himself as well. She doesn't realize they're the same person. Oh. Yes. We've got a bit of a hidden identity situation going on. And love ensues, obviously, because of course it does. Of course. It's a really sweet story. It is a really cozy story. Um, We have... A fun hero who is kind of insecure about how he looks, which is interesting. Yeah. So often the hero is just perfect and manly and wonderful in every way. To be fair, he is. He's very attractive, but he doesn't feel that way. Ultimately, that's what matters. (laughs) You know, that (laughs) self-confidence piece. The heroine is a plus-size heroine. So we've got a bit of a body image thing with her as well, but she doesn't seem to have the issues with her image that he has with his. So kind of a flip-flop for that. I'm going to stop talking now because I could probably talk about forever and (laughs) I'm not gonna. But yeah, minimal angst. Please write another one, Emily Antoinette. I will read it. And that is it for this time. Yay, we did it in under three hours. Woohoo! <laughs> Check out our website, romancebepodcast.com. We have social media links. No, we don't, actually. I lied. <laughs> we have our show notes, so- other episodes, and our upcoming reads. You can subscribe on Apple, Google, Amazon, Spotify. Come find us, rate us, leave a review. We love it. <laughs> we like being judged. <laughs> Yes? <laughs> right? Right? <laughs> sure. Fine. <laughs> Were you romanced by Chloe and Red's story? Let us know what you think. And join us next time when we discuss Role Playing by Kathy Yardley. I have no exit pattern. I thought I did. I screwed.
scroll down. I'm like, there's a big blank spot. <laughs>